You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. We're in Psalm 139 today, so I invite you to turn to that chapter, Psalm 139. For many of you, a favorite psalm, me included. As you go to Psalm 139, (laughs) thank you, Caleb. I didn't get this in beforehand, and he got this for me. Where's Lincoln at? Up here, Lincoln. Lincoln caught the, I think we got shepherd language, which we were talking about last week with Psalm 121. The Lord's, you know, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He's my shepherd, my keeper. And here he's got all these things crossed off, right? And I think I'm doing interpretation. Sometimes this is harder than Hebrew. No. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, this one isn't hard, Lincoln. This one, you got the sheep here going bot like, it gets bigger. The, the buying gets bigger, and the shepherd seems to not hear him. I, that's the earthly shepherd. He's sleeping, and our shepherd never slumbers or sleeps. They're catching it. Lincoln, thank you. Thank you for that. So that's the God we serve. That's the God we're going to read about in Psalm 139. So let's listen to God's word. Again, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father, that's 
my prayer for us as we go through your text here and look at your wonderful words of life that you've given us in your word. Search us. Try us. Lord, see we're open before you. Are there grievous ways? Are there grievous thoughts in us? Lord, lead us. Thank you for the promise of this text before us. Lord, we pray for your strength in our lives and in this time to understand your word. And Lord, I pray for faith to believe your word. That Satan would not get a foothold of disbelief. You are the God who knows and are present with us wherever. And we thank you for that. May you be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen. This isn't my intro. Speaking of grievous ways, Link and I apologize. I should not have joked about the Hebrew thing. And I'm, that's, that's putting you down. I'm sorry about that. And I'm just saying that to you all. These kids, they're, wor- and they're drawing, and I want to welcome you kids to do that. It's not like Hebrew. And I love that you guys send me that stuff. Okay? What a week it's been. Uh, up, down, maybe some of you, yes. <laughs> maybe you had the joy of just your TV broke this week and your radio <laughs> and everything else, and you're like, what? <laughs> it's sunny today. Hard week. Um, lots of things still up in the air, right? We're not totally sure. Maybe some are more sure than others. Who knows, right? We can debate about that. But we have a great place to go today in God's Word. A little disclaimer, what I have before you, what you have in your lap, and hopefully you have God's Word before you, Psalm 139, is a, is a if it was a dinner, it's the steak dinner. It's the filet mignon. It's whatever. It's beautiful. Your server today is me. And I've, there's, just, there's a weight and a sense of which, how can I deliver what's, what's here? So, uh, the fix would just be to say, amen, God's word speaks enough. Preacher doesn't do that, right? I've got to comment a few things. But I'm just praying that the word will do the work today. It's not my work ever, is it, any, any week. But we have before us a, a dinner. And even though I'm inadequate to serve it, probably because I know it's one of my favorite psalms and many of your favorite psalms, and I just feel like the weight of how do I present what's just already um, we've grown maybe just so fond of, but we'll, by God's grace, attempt, say a few things, and really try to let the Scripture speak as we go through it again. Before we get into it, I just want just to uh, kind of a, a, a theme, something to think about as we go through this. And, and that's, there's a couple, there's a lot of themes going through here. The, the knowledge of God is throughout here. Wonderful works, praising the Lord, different things like that. One other theme I think seen through here is, is the hand of God. That's really seen throughout Scripture, but the hand of God, or through Scripture, the hand of the Lord. And oftentimes in Scripture, broadly, we see the hand of the Lord moving, and I think that's moving through this psalm. The hand of God was present uh, when the Philistines, when they captured the ark of God, and they set it beside their god, Dagon, Remember that great story in Dagon? The next day is fallen face downward uh, on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And it says there, it says, the hand of the Lord was heavy against the people of Ashdod. 
And elsewhere, if you just do search, hand of God, hand of the Lord, the hand of God moves hearts. It allows suffering. It brings plagues. It's mighty. It was upon Elijah after that with the bales and, and the hand of God was around him as he gathered up his garment and ran to the city and he beat Ahab to the, to the city it talks about. Um, Proverbs 21.1, it says, the king's, this is good, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Great, that's Proverbs 21.1. Acts 11, New Testament, says of those who, who fled the persecution in Jerusalem, that when they came to Antioch, they preached the Lord, they preached the Lord Jesus and it says there in Acts eleven twenty one, the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. This this theme, the hand of the Lord, and as we then look in Psalm one thirty nine, we get again a wonderful view of this hand of God at work. And verse one gives just the broad statement here from David who wrote this psalm, we see, to the choir master. So there's, there's singing involved, presumably. This is David's psalm. And, and this theme will come back at the end again, but it sets the tone, I think, for what follows. Verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. This is a personal psalm. And we're going to look at this psalm really in, in three parts, although, I mean, if you count, there's a lot of parts to it. And we're not going to take long in each part. The first part, though, just I'm just going to kind of put together just verses 1 through 18 as a part with, with subparts in it. But 1 through 18, and we're looking at the wonderful and precious work of the Lord's hands. Just take joy. We get to spend the next however many minutes together enjoying what God does, gazing upon the Lord, uh, to borrow a, a Del Tackett phrase, to gaze upon Him. And so that's what we're going to do. And then we'll look at... What about the Lord's enemies? What about that part, that 19 through 22? And then, and then lastly, the prayer at the end in the, in the last two verses. So let's first look at verses 1 through 6. And again, we probably we can't hear it enough, so I'm going to read just 1 through 6, make a few comments. Again, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Do you and I, do we comprehend what God's word is saying here that to take this literally the chair that you're in right now god knows and he knew that right now where you're wherever you are where you're next to some where that he knows you're sitting he knows exactly the minute you're going to get up next whenever that is he's acquainted with all our ways he was acquainted with your way coming in he's acquainted with your way going out all ways and in fact not only acquainted with but he searches out verse 3 you search out my path and my lying down you're acquainted with all my ways 
God not only knows our external movements, where we're going to sit and rise and go in these places, but verse 4 talks about he understands he knows our internal thoughts. It's amazing. He knows our words before they hit our tongue. What does that mean? That means words, whether good words or bad words, God knows it before it. He knew, I, I can't even say what he, he knew all these words that I'm saying, good and bad. So what's the comfort? Well, you just can't hide anything from God. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, God says, I know you said that. Just, right, search, come back to me. He knows these things. And this knowledge here in verse 5, the knowledge, all this you know, sitting, rising, this is not data. God's not a, just a big data collector. This is knowledge that protects. The words in verse 5, you hem me in behind, in front, or, or from west to east. I'm hemmed in by you. The knowledge of the Lord protects. And God lays his hand, there it is, and you lay your hand upon me. And he hems us in. So we ask here, is there anything, in, very, in a very personal way, is there anything about us God does not know? There's things we may not know about each other, but God knows them. He knows everything. And it seems here the psalmist just erupts in praise and says, your knowledge, it's, just, it's too wonderful for me. It's high, Lord. Nothing in our lives is outside of God's knowledge. And even God with this knowledge, all this knowledge, what's going to come out of us, he, he lays his hand upon us. You lay your hand upon, that guiding hand of the Old Testament and New Testament is a hand laid upon us. Sometime a hand to guide us this way as we'll see and sometimes a hand to lead us other ways. So the Lord's hand is upon the one he knows. And look at verses 7 through 12 with a question, two questions. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Verse 7 has these questions. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? They, it, it seems as though these are parallel things, doesn't it? David can go nowhere from God's spirit, which means he can go nowhere from God's presence. If you needed a text like, is the Holy Spirit God? Yes, he is. All right? You can't flee from the presence of God or the presence of his spirit. And they, they seem interchangeable here. But then the psalm proceeds to ask the question two ways. Where? Where? And what's the answer? Nowhere. You can't go anywhere. You can't hide anything and you can't go anywhere that God is not there. Be it far or near, up or down, our God will lead me 
Verse 10, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand. I think there's an idea of power there. The right hand, it shall hold me. Again, not passive knowledge of God, like a cosmic data collector. He's present. And he's present with power. He's leading and holding. No matter how far, how powerless or bleak the situation looks, God's hand leads and holds. And even verses 11 and 12. You think, okay, well, maybe the far part of the sea, but what about darkness? You know, may, do you hear, well, what about this? Well, what about there? He, the psalmist answers it over and over. If I say, see all these things? If here, if here, well, what about here? If the darkness covers me, no. What if, what if it's nighttime? No, the darkness is not dark to you. Can God be present in overwhelming darkness? The answer from God's word is yes. To God, darkness is as light, the night the same as day. What a God we serve. So what do these sections tell us or remind us of? These two, they remind us God knows all things, including where you are. And God is present to lead and guide us in the midst of the darkness, right? It's not that you're at the uttermost parts, you're in the darkness, and he's with you there. He's leading and guiding. It's not just, I'll pull you out. It's, I am with you in, in the midst of these places. So the Lord's hand is present no matter how far or dark. This is good news. Then verses 13 and 16. Because the all-knowing, verses 1 through 6, the ever-present, 7 through 12, that hand of God that knows and is present is the same hand that made you and I. Verse 13 and following says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. As Joe Dallas in our adult Sunday school class, we've been thinking about sexuality and an apologia, a reason, defense for these things and invites you to join us there if you uh, would love to come, would love to have you there. But he's been reminding us that we are created with intent and purpose. And within these verses here, I think we see again the handiwork and the God's handiwork in our lives. Do you see verse 13? At least in the ESV, you've got, and I think there's this, there's this tapestry, the, 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 the quilt, as it were, of our lives is being made, right? You've got, you've got knitting going on in verse 13. So those of you that knit, I mean, you're doing the Lord's work, right? That's what he, he's a knitter. And he's, a, uh, verse 15, intricately woven. He's a weaver. That's our God that's doing that. Where? In the womb. That's the God we serve. 
in the mother's womb. So God's sewing room, his knitting room, is the womb, which, which is why. And again, if we're familiar with these, we go, yeah, I've seen these, maybe billboards, maybe different places. That's why abortion is so horrendous, that taking the life that God is forming in that womb is to destroy what God's creating there. Now, I don't think God wrote Psalm 139 simply, hear me out, simply as an anti-abortion text, but, right, it's not, but isn't this amazing? God, he's provided clear and precise language that we're without excuse to say life is in the womb. It's clear. It's not like, I wonder what he, I wonder what's going on there. It's here. And to take that life is to murder and to shed innocent blood. Is it an unforgivable sin? No, but it's sin. And it's to work against God. There's wonderful creation going on there. But beyond that, we should ask, how do these verses, what I read 13 through 16, how do these fit within verses 1 through 6 and 7 and 12? We've got God's knowledge, His presence, and then we're being formed in the womb. And where does that fit? And here it seems the psalmist just goes deep. He goes to the very person here. Again, God just doesn't, he just doesn't know us from a distance, care for us kind of as a, we're a number on a screen. Oh, number 42 is having trouble today. Better deal with them. We're, we're formed by him over and over. You formed, you knitted, you fearfully, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I was made in secret. Your eyes saw us on and on and on. But lest this psalm be, be kind of a man-centered of look at what God's created, let's exalt the creation. No, it comes back to exalt the creator. Verse 14, I think in particular, may give this direction. Verse 14, I praise you, the psalmist says. And there's what comes after, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a sense in this as well, though, of a response to verse 13. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together. Therefore, or on account, I praise you. And the praise goes to the Lord. The psalmist is not praising God for how wonderful a man he is, but for what? God's wonderful works. We've got to keep that, right? Otherwise, and I've, I've got a note here, you know, in my Bible, in pencil, right, to uh, be careful of the anthropocentric. That means focusing on me. Look at what a creation I am. Yes, you're a wonderful creation, which is to proclaim praise back to the Creator. Created us to praise the Lord. That's what the psalmist is doing. We praise Him. So we want to be careful not to make the man the center of things, but the instrument, rather, to proclaim God's glory. And then verses 17 and 18. Before we get to the others, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. You hear what he's saying? He's saying, I'm unable to comprehend the immeasurable thoughts of God toward me. How vast is the sum of them? 
Just let that sink in of God's thoughts. Again, for you, that you would come and praise Him. What these, verse tell, these verses, they tell us that God, these thoughts of God, which the thoughts of God could also mean maybe His intentions or His will. How precious to me are your intentions, O God? Your purposes for me, that, maybe that idea. They're vast. Charles Spurgeon says this, commenting on, then on verse 18 where it says, I awake and I'm still with you. He says this, Thy thoughts of love are so many that my mind never gets away from them. They surround me at all hours. I go to my bed and God is my last thought. And when I wake, I find my mind still hovering about His palace gates. God is ever with me and I am ever with Him. This is life indeed. If during sleep my mind wanders away into dreams, yet it only wanders upon holy ground, and the moment I wake, my heart is back with its Lord. The psalmist does not say, when I awake, I return to thee, but I am still with thee. As if his meditations were continuous, and, this, and his communion unbroken. Sleep, darkness, uttermost parts, wherever, unbroken communion with the Lord. How? How? 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-11 through 11 says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear this who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, Paul says, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Are we doing that today in our singing? We're with Him. You remember, you remember Christ? Oh yeah, the gospel. That's right, we're saved, we're reconciled. We're encouraging one another. Remember, whether awake or asleep, whether who's elected and all those, whatever, we're with Him forever because of Christ that died for our sins that we might live with Him. This is good. Good news. And then we get to verses 19 through 22. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. If you're like me, you're reading along in this psalm, and you're going, he knows me, he's present. I love this psalm. We should read the whole thing. And you get to this part and you're like, whoa, we're slaying wicked and we're hating enemies and and all this. Are you sure this is in the right spot? And and maybe we even just kind of want to read up to 18 and they go, yep, that's that's good, right? I am learning that that's not good. (laughs) This is God's word, all of it. And I'm challenged to say this, what I just read, is part of God's Word. It doesn't contradict God's Word. Our understanding might be like, how do we understand this? How do we fit this? New Testament, all those sorts of things. 
I think there's some, there's some great help. It's challenging, but it's his word. So how do we understand this here? And I'm, I'm going to steal some words from a book by James Adams. And uh, I would recommend this book highly. Probably a, a great book to read up. And we've been talking about it at a prayer meeting, right? And this, these things like this. How do you pray? How do you wish wicked to be slain? And how do you hate enemies? And what, what, aren't we, are we supposed to do that? That sort of thing. Here's what he says in here. And there's a lot more that could be said. And your pastor's learning, okay? So we're not finished yet. But here's what he says. He says about these people. These enemies, they were certainly the psalmist's sworn enemies. He so closely identified with his God that it was natural for him to loathe intensely those who were set against God. He speaks under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not harboring a personal grudge, this is important, or expressing a personal vindictiveness against his own enemies. It's not a personal enemy thing here. These are enemies of God. He goes on to say, It is true that wicked men hate God, and their hatred is an evil emotion. The psalmist's hatred is like God's hatred, reflecting a supreme desire that the purposes of God's kingdom will flourish and wickedness be destroyed. Now, there's much more to understand regarding this and other places of scriptures called the imprecatory psalms. Before, before COVID hit last spring, at least us, and we stopped meeting, we were, as a Sunday school class, we were right up to that point. And I was trying to read and get ready, and then, and then it, right? And, and there's lots more. And I think we're going to probably just come back to this idea in a Sunday school class later this winter because this is fascinating, I think. But we can say this here at this, at this point, that we need to look rightly on the wicked that are opposed to God as God's enemies. The challenge, the challenge is to pray both for their conversion, that they would be saved, but also that God's righteous ways would be upheld. And this is, I don't think it's a contradictory statement to pray for their conversion, but also pray, Lord, your Yours is a kingdom of righteousness. If we are followers of God, we're going to say righteousness must reign. Sin is wicked. And we must make that differential of the two. And that's what the call is. The Bible is full of judgments. Judgments of God, right? But if God is merciful in His steadfast love... Those judgments turn a people back to their God. His judgments are, in a sense, God's gracious warnings to his enemies. I'm far from giving you a great explanation. That's that's your server. Here's the word. We can't take it out. We don't want to we don't need to make excuses for it. Like, well, the psalmist just was kind of having a hard day and this slipped in there that's the wrong road that God's enemies are my enemies and pray for their conversion but also that they might um, that judgment ultimately if they don't come to the Lord will come that wickedness would be dealt with 
So in Psalm 139, we must acknowledge that the psalmist here, David, he sees God. He sees God through this, right? We've been through this. He sees him as so precious, which also means he sees sin as grievous to God. So we're holding both at the same. It's not just he's a precious Lord. It's he's a righteous God. Sin is wrong and wicked. And those who blaspheme the Creator, whom, whom the psalmist, David, he just spent 18 verses saying, what an awesome God we have, right? Those who would blaspheme Him, he says, depart. They speak against you. They take your name in vain. They're the enemies of God. Okay. Lest he leave it there, he ends with verse 23 and 24. This psalmist doesn't just leave it. Yep, they're, my, they're, they're enemies. What does he say? Now it comes personally back on him. He says, search me. Oh God, how easy, right? To look at other wickedness and other enemies and say, look at them, look at that, it's bad. Here, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Does God search? I mean, he's praying for it. Search me. Does God search? Yes. Does God know? Does he know the heart? Yes. I think this prayer, it's, it's simply confessing, God, you know all things. I agree with you. Lord, examine my heart. Is there sin in me? Am I like an enemy to you? And if we say yes to that, grievous ways, yeah, they're, they're in me. If we say yes, look at Romans 5. Many of you, if you want to go there, Romans 5, verse 6. I just want to read this to us. 5, verses 6 through 11. Maybe we go, man, you count enemies? I, that's me. I'm against God. I have wrong thoughts, wrong deeds. Wicked ways, darkness in me. Romans 5 says this. I'll just read 6 through 11 here. Look at our glorious God again. That's all. Praise the Lord. Look at this. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love. I think probably those, those immeasurable thoughts, his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, that's declared righteous by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, that's Paul speaking, the apostle, if we were, enemies, were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We are reconciled to God through Christ, which means as we look back on Psalm 139, Lord, you know me. You know where I'm at, the chair I'm in, the family I'm in, the predicament I'm in. You know that. 
and you know where I'm at and you're with me in the darkness, in the uttermost, and the up and the down and the far and the near. We're reconciled. This is our God. We can read Psalm 139 in light of Christ and say, yes, yes, my enemies. I was the enemy. God in Christ took on my curse on the cross that I might be saved eternally. May we rest in the presence of our God this week and whatever else 2020 will bring, right? Quite a year. And next year will probably be quite a year. We can rest and then let us confess and search. Say, God, search me, try me, lest there be grievous ways in me. Let's pray. Father, your gospel is amazing. The good news of Jesus who took enemies like us in our sin and reconciled us by the blood of the cross to yourself, making peace where there was once once wrath. So Lord, we can read Psalm 139 and we can be refreshed because it's speaking about our God. That's our Savior who watches over me. Lord, if there be enemies here today that are content in wickedness and sins, no matter be they in the thoughts or in the actions or in a dark room, Lord, would you convict and bring them back that your judgment on them, bearing witness in the conscience, bearing witness through your word, would bring the sinner back to your grace once again in Jesus Christ to be searched, to be tried, and to be led back by a gracious God to the everlasting cross, the everlasting Savior. Lord, may we live in the joy of who you are, your mighty hand guiding us, leading us, no matter what the news will bring tomorrow or today. We praise you, Lord. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.